<laughs> I didn't catch the beginning of it. <laughs> hey, it's Zach. Um, so, yeah, despite the statements that's about to come, uh, Zach did not hook us up with some sweet audio. Uh, it would have been better if there was a literal rat that was facing everybody as the joke will come. Maybe it's spoilers to that joke. Maybe it's not. It wasn't that funny, and it never will be. Uh, but uh, Charlotte's louder than the rest of us. We just used Charlotte's microphone. I tried my best. Josh made it seem like I was hard at work editing this, but all of the files corrupted, and I panicked. So this is what's uh, here. Love it. It's great. It works. If you want to hear about the body in the library, this is what you gotta get. So, um, thanks for the patience, I guess. We're never recording like this again. It was awful, and I regret my decisions. Enjoy. The Tea, the Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze our books one by one. I'm Josh. I'm Charlotte. I'm Zach. And we're loving being in the studio right now because Zach has got us hooked up. Tell us about our, our setup right now. I've got a small rat with a microphone <laughs> taped to its back that every time one of us talks, it will turn and pivot so that it is <laughs> facing our mouth. And now, it took years to train this mouse, or this rat. I've actually been training it since the first episode, but... Today's the day I finally unveil it. And his name is Gustav. (laughs) Gustav the Rat. Hello, Gustav. He says hi. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them what we really have. We have three different microphones and three different (laughs) laptops, and we're recording them all because we don't feel like buying other audio gear than what we have. And so we're doing it until... I'm really impressed, though. Like, it, it's impressive to me. I think it's great. And once you guys, you know, you know, start buying some more merch, you, you know, That's hit true. that support donation button, you know, maybe we'll, we'll up the ante. Like, this is <laughs> fine. But, like, the easy road would just be three microphones into the same computer at the same time. I was going to ask that earlier, and then I thought it was a stupid question. You can't do that over USB. Oh. You can't do three different USB Do you have to have, like, a mixing board? Time. You have to have a mixing board and microphones that plug into a mixing board. Okay. Three different one of these can't do it. Can Gustav okay. do it? Yeah, he can, but um, he's busy. He's <laughs> he's going to need a support person, a support yeah, rat. Yeah, Gustav needs an assistant. What's Remy doing these days? I think he's cooking. He's managing his restaurant. Yeah, in France. Okay, well, that's fair. So today we are going to be discussing the next Agatha Christie book. That is The Body in the Library. Yes. And what makes this special is that it's a Miss Marple. She has returned, and she hasn't been with us since, well, let me count the years. It's been a good long while. I thought so, too. was our last novel, so it has been... 11 years? 12 years, 1942. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's been 12 years, and which is weird because... She has aged well. 
Yes, she has. <laughs> she feels a little younger in this book than she did was in Birth of the Vicar, honestly. But uh, didn't she hurt her ankle in? No, that's no, that's totally wrong. That's Ignore later. that. That's that, later. Yeah, that's the mirror cracked. Sorry, her ankles are fine. <laughs> oh, sure. I have very good ankles, thank you. <laughs> she has strong ankles in this one. It's mentioned. Um, <laughs> it's I, canon. I don't know why it was such a long break because, and maybe Miss Marvel wasn't as big of a hit. Uh, you know, I think people liked her, but you know, Poirot is what people wanted. Poirot was right. a big popular thing, but I think she always preferred Miss Marple. I remember you saying that. And I think, well, I prefer. Dead air, dead air, dead air. <laughs> I, I just remembered something. I prefer Poirot's <laughs> books, but I prefer Miss Marple as a character. Okay. I think she's a deeper character. Do you have a preference, Zach, between Poirot and Marple? Have you seen them like who would you, okay? Who would you want to have oh, dinner okay. with? We'll he do hasn't that. Seen any Miss Marple movies yet? Really? No. Oh, okay. They're all horrible. No, oh, all fun. horrible. I don't think there's a single good one. Miss Marple movie of the on the BBC. Oh, like the good ones. Yeah. which one? Uh, well, it's not a Miss Marple book, but I think Towards Zero is very good. Oh. Oh, they did. Yeah. I think Towards Zero is very good. I like the Not movie. compared to the book. The book was amazing. And then they yeah, kind of they kind of trashed up the... Well, I think it's fine. And uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I think the movie finger is good. I asked Zach. I'm talking about which movies are good. <laughs> I asked Zach, who would you like okay. to have dinner with? <laughs> I think I'd probably like to have dinner with Burrow more. Okay. Because he's got that cool mustache. Would you rather have dinner with Guaro or TikTok Guaro? TikTok Guaro. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd rather have dinner with myself. <laughs> There are. Well, then you fried don't have to share. <laughs> I also think uh, the BBC Body in the Library is pretty decent. For the most part. I have some things to say about that. Yeah, it has its flaws. Yeah. I, I, so we'll get through it because maybe we'll watch most of them for this show. Now I, we're starting with Mark Marvel. Zach, yeah, I thought you would have watched this one for this one, but. Nobody asked me to. Aww. I will eventually. But I think there are some good Miss Marples. And uh, that series generally fails. But I, there are some that I enjoy, and there are some that I even enjoy better than the book. Maybe as we go back through them, I'm only remembering the horrible ones. Maybe there that's are, the problem. There are plenty of really <laughs> bad ones, yeah. But I like it, a lot of the times I like its vibes. And I really like Geraldine McEwen. Now, is she the, 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 the tiny lady or the... Tiny lady with a thinner face. Yeah, she's my favorite. I thought you she's liked the other lady. I thought you liked... Julia McKenzie. Yeah. No, I like Geraldine McGeehan, which was the earlier one, who was in yeah. this body. Right, the, the first one, yeah. Uh, Geraldine McGeehan is my favorite Marple. There's Mine, a lot, too. A lot of people who are, like, stands for Joan Hickson. Yeah. Because they do the same thing they do about David Suchet, like, oh, Joan Hickson's the only Miss Marple, and I don't get that. She's... I think she plays a really great old lady, but not necessarily a really great marble. I think she's true to the page. I think it's just not that interesting to watch. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to... I'll talk about this more with our Death on the Nile edition. But you have to breathe in... Which some, is never going to see the light of day. No, we'll not get there. <laughs> you have to breathe some light. Well, the movie's been out for, like, what, two months? I mean, it's old news, Josh. Take the light. One month as of now. Um, it... You have to breathe some life into the character that's not there. And I think Geraldine McEwen does that with her performance. I agree. Yeah. I think the thought of me eating eggs with Perot really... Because <laughs> I knew I'd get two good ones. But, you know, same, same size. Same size and diameter. Yeah. So he'd be jealous of your symmetrical no, I, dinner? He, he would ensure that I got that. Oh, I see. We I got you. We would both have a symmetrical dinner. Okay. And Did that's you... pretty rad. Did you see the symmetrical eggs in Death on the Nile? I didn't. They're just like a little... 
little Easter eggs. I caught it. Yeah. I saw it. It's in, not, we're getting a little ahead, but in the scene where he's eating breakfast in front of the, the pyramid, mm-hmm. on the side table there are two eggs next to each other. I, uh, I vote that w- that Josh is not allowed to talk about Death on the Nile in this episode. What do you think, Zach? I think that's good. That's <laughs> fair. Every time I do, what should be the punishment? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, um, you have to give me a dollar. <laughs> All right, I'm going to try really hard. You have to. So you have going to, to go broke, and I'm going to buy new audio for the podcast. Yes. You have to take one of your Doritos and give it to Gustav every time. Oh, Gustav, he's so such a chunky boy already. <laughs> yeah, I feed him nothing but full fat mozzarella, not that you know, like the yeah. wet kind. Okay, <laughs> skim milk mozzarella. Yeah, it's it's not good. That is, you know, when you when you didn't know that that was a difference, and then you you have that then you have the full fat mozzarella you're like oh my goodness why have they done this it's it's very off-putting for a lot of people like alana (laughs) hates the regular mozzarella like like really she (gasps) doesn't like it oh my goodness because i don't because you're using her name now yeah sorry my (laughs) wife for those who don't know i I got criticized even by her for calling her my wife (laughs) in the old ones but uh she doesn't like i just thought it was a humble brag that's all yeah it was you married hear this that's my wedding ring. That was um, his uh, Pepsi can. Yeah. <laughs> that was Gustav chewing on a Pepsi can. Um, but uh, when she when she bakes pizza, it doesn't like stay in there quite long enough. Like the cheese doesn't brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and like the cheese just browns it just right. You do know that she listens to this, or does she know how you feel about her pizza? She probably knows because I'm probably because I'm always you know she'll check me like I think it's done and I'm like. Leave it in. <laughs> I'll put in the title of this episode, don't listen a lot. You won't like this. Don't listen. Uh, start the podcast at nine minutes, please. <laughs> don't listen to Zach's wife. <laughs> like, I wonder which Zach's wife they're talking about. So you like the full fat mozzarella, the real I, deal mozzarella. I recently made a deep dish pizza. Ooh. Humble brag. They're full of them. And I put some of that full fat mozzarella in there. Uh-huh. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bought the wrong kind of tomato, so the sauce wasn't chunky like I wanted it to be. Oh. It was just smooth. I like wow. I like the fat mods. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Now, that's all Gustav eats. <laughs> that's probably why. <laughs> I'm glad you, you brought that back around, because I totally forgot how we got why there. Why are we talking about this? So much for not we were, doing We were like, well, we didn't do a cold <laughs> open. This is a cold... Uh... This is a cold close. Uh, this is a cold main close? course. <laughs> What, are you, what is your initial uh, relationship with the body in the library? Should we say what it's about first? Sure. Should we get, do a sum up first? Yeah. Would you like to? Let me do uh, Let me think. I don't have much to say about this book, so I should probably sum it up. <laughs> sum it up. So the body in the library starts off so with... Where, where, tell me, where does the where does the body found in this book? Uh, you know, it's a <laughs> funny thing you should ask because it's in the library. What's in the library? The body. The body's in the library. Yes. And that's one thing I have to say about this book is that in the first 10 pages, they say body in the library about 25 times. Yeah. <laughs> You're not, you're not going to be like, it's not a bait and switch. <laughs> the book is telling you what it's about. You know how sometimes you, you read the title of a book and, and you just think it's going to be about this. And then when it's you not. read what it's actually about, you're kind of disappointed. Like, oh, well, they missed an opportunity there. Yeah, this one is right out front. Body in the library is like about. snakes on a plane. Like, you don't have any doubt about snakes. Yeah, is there a plane? <laughs> yes. <laughs> not gonna, well, I mean, she does kind of mess with that but body in the library is what it is did you have the foreword on this one no go ahead and do the plot (laughs) okay so it's about a a body in the library but but a little bit more than that to fill in some gaps it's one of miss marple's uh close friends 
Dolly Bantry and her husband, Colonel Bantry, and they have this old, you get the feeling it's a slightly run down house. And one morning they just wake up, the maid is screaming and she's like, there's a body in the library. (laughs) And they're like, there's a what? A body? Where? In the library. (laughs) So they all go down to the library and guess what? Zach, can you guess what happens? They go down there and they find a body in, yes. in the library. Yes. Now, Can't believe it. read this book, guys? <laughs> I'm really good at contact. Uh, good so it's a, a young platinum blonde dancer that they find out later. And they don't know, the, the Bantries, they do not know who this girl is. No clue how she ended up there. And so so uh mrs bantry goes to get miss marple and she's like oh you you helped out with that thing in the past you're so good with murder and knowing people uh because the girl had been strangled that i should say that wasn't like she died naturally so it was obviously foul play and so then it's it's miss marple and and uh mrs bantry kind of trying to to find out what it is because instantly the suspicion goes to her husband. It's like, okay, obviously the Colonel is lying that he knew her. Yeah. And it, cause you know, why else would she be there? And so they kind of start out wanting to find out to kind of clear his name. And then it takes them down a different path. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's the basic premise is there's a library and there's a body. So uh, you must not have had the forward because we have the same edition and my edition does not have the forward. I do not have a forward. Because this is the edition we have is the Black Dog collection, which they don't make anymore. But it is oh, that's exciting. Hardcover, and they're like, they're all have a color theme. Body Library's pink, and they'll have like a little image at the top. This one has uh, the body that is in the library wearing the wrong dress because she's a dancer in like a very flashy dress but this woman does she looks like she's like a secretary she's like a yeah. body you would discover in a library and here's why i take issue with that because <laughs> this is christie's um forward to the body in the library that i'm really annoyed that they cut this out okay there are certain cliches belonging to certain types of fiction the body in the library for the detective story for several years i treasured up the possibility of a suitable variation on a well-known theme i laid down for myself certain conditions the library in question must be a highly orthodox and conventional library. The body, on the other hand, must be a wildly improbable and highly sensational body. So wow. The body in the library is already even, a cliche. Even and, that itself is so beautifully written. Yes. And she's <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to take this thing that's in every mystery book and everybody's sick of. Because, I mean, 1940 and they already have this cliche. Right. And she's like, but it's going to be the complete opposite of what you'd body you'd mm-hmm. expect, which is the plot point. And also... She even that's even a double bluff in itself when you get to the mm-hmm. solution, which I think is so cool. She's like, here's this cliche everybody knows, and here is me destroying it. <laughs> I think she could have went a little harder. What do you think she would have been I think she could have went with clown. <laughs> There's a clown in your library. What? <laughs> Kill him. He's already dead. <laughs> Kill him. Kill him. That's always your first reaction when you see a clown in your library. <laughs> I think Zach's first reaction that is a situation, though, would have been, we have a library. Yeah. Hold up. <laughs> Burn it down. No wonder I've never been in it. <laughs> the, uh, the Bantries are uh, reoccurring characters. They're in later books, but they also were in uh, Tuesday Club Murders. Oh, cool. Which were also, um, which were actually the first chronological Miss Marple stories written. She published Vicarage first. Okay. And... 
But the Tuesday Club Murders were published in magazines, the, the short stories, which had Miss Marple in it. The Bantries were people that were telling stories there. So, Oh, I don't remember that. This story begins Big surprise. with <laughs> Dolly Bantry uh, dreaming, which is very well written. And also um, then the maid coming up and we have like sort of a comical scene. Where she's like trying to tell, and she tries to tell, like, hey, her husband, go down and, and check on this body. And he's like, I'm not doing that because if I get down there and say, like, where's the body, I'm going to look like a complete idiot. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but you have to. And then they go down there. And Christy believed that this was the best opener she ever wrote for a book. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I think it's one of the best. Mm-hmm. There are some that when I read them, I'm like so hooked by a book. Yeah. And this isn't necessarily one of those, but I think it is like. Sim- beautiful and simple beautiful in its simplicity and mm-hmm. it's also very funny because Christy is often funny but this yeah. is her at her funniest which is great that Joanna Lumley oh uh, I know plays I know um, the plays Dolly Mantra I cannot you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you can't imagine anyone else right. playing that character yeah oh yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah, I'll take care of that. Okay. I will. I'll talk while Charlotte goes and turns off. There's no noise. making noise. (laughs) What should I talk about? Zach. uh, Yeah. What would you do uh, if your maid came and told you you have a body in the library? First, I would probably ask her to go get some caviar. Because if I have a maid, I'm probably pretty rich. (laughs) Go get some caviar. Go get some caviar. I'll call the 911. You can't hide money. I can't. I physically can't. It's laying around the mansion. I won't say what I was about to say. I almost said that at all. (laughs) Um, That's what in this book is that they eat breakfast. Like, because they're waiting for the police. And like you said, Dolly calls Miss Marple and Miss Marple gets there first and gets to see the body first. Which I like that it's not like, because in the movie, like, they like push past a cop. And then Dolly's like, oh, let, let Miss Marple see it. She knows her stuff. Which is kind of like the murder she wrote thing. Like, oh, yeah, anyone can come in and see a body if you're good at solving crimes. But in the real world, a cop would never let Miss Marple see a body. So it may, Christy Place does play fair with Miss Marple. The only reason she gets to see the crime scene, which she usually doesn't, is because she was just right. quicker than the cops. But what amazed me was that they have a dead body in their house. They don't know who this person is. And they eat breakfast yep. in the other room. <laughs> Could you possibly eat food while there's a stranger, a dead stranger in your house? Especially what's for breakfast. <laughs> Fruity Pebbles. Uh, I'd probably skip on that, but I mean, if it was like waffles and bacon. What's well, an English breakfast, so it's probably like beans on a muffin. I would rather die. <laughs> beans and pickles. And they're like, well, we have to eat breakfast so we have our strength. <laughs> it, the, it was a very English thing to do. Yeah, like, well, really, it's yeah. like, oh well, you know. Must have breakfast. If you ever try yeah. to feed me beans for breakfast, <laughs> I will hit you with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most, I hate not. I hate eating non-breakfast things for breakfast, and beans is probably the worst of. I love oh, non-breakfast yeah. things for breakfast. I know you. I love it so much. I know you do. <laughs> Let me have it. Why are you crying? <laughs> it, <laughs> it it bothers me too. I can't eat a brec- non-breakfast things for breakfast, but I love having breakfast. Any time oh, of the day. Oh, yeah. It somehow gets better. I mean, it's it's perfect first thing in the morning because, like, sometimes that's the only reason that it's, like, y- y- do you ever, like, bait yourself to get out of bed? Like, okay, if I get out of bed, I will get, the, you know, I'm something. Right. Like, And I was like, okay, yes, there is coffee. Right. There is waffles. There is scrambled eggs. They are waiting. It is worth it to get out of bed. <laughs> but if there was a body in my library, I would lean over to my wife and say, this is an excuse for us to have breakfast for dinner. <laughs> if we just wait a little bit. 
Let's just grab a quick sandwich and then we'll have a big breakfast for dinner. I don't think I can do it. I feel like the air would be... I know there was a big house, but I feel like I couldn't escape the air of death. Would you just, <laughs> would you go out for breakfast? <laughs> yeah. I would say, see, I'm going to IHOP. Yeah, and you'd be like, I'm going to hit Cracker Barrel. Right <laughs> Come back with a box of grits. Problem solved. <laughs> you guys figure it out? <laughs> yeah, so they, they don't know who this body is. And like we say, it's such a uh, juxtaposition. This uh, mm-hmm. dancer in this crazy dress, yeah. uh, bright nails, platinum blonde in this super conventional library, which is yeah. a, such a, it's a, just a cool way that she does that because Chrissy o- often doesn't really have victims like this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of new yeah. for her. And everyone said it and not in an, an annoying way either. Like she was trying to shove it down your throat. It, it almost every major character had the same thing to say. They were like, this doesn't fit. This doesn't make any sense. It it was so ludicrous. And that's really great that you brought out the forward. Um, because I had never read that. Yeah, it's the it's that, I don't know why they take that out because it's it's almost as essential as the cards on the table forward. She's like, this is what this book is. Yeah. Because it does read like this is my cliche book. Yeah. But every cliche that is included is I'm breaking the rule. Right. But if you if you ignore that, it just feels like this is a perfect piece of, a, this is a perfect little puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a flawed book. But the same kind of way I would feel about, like, Roger Ackroyd. That's a book that has, like, and, but it's it like, checks it, every it, box. She just, like, smashes it right in the middle. Right. And then, like, it just fractures out to the sides. Yeah, for sure. Be- Be- <laughs> she really is. And the... So, yeah, it has a nice hook at the beginning. We talked about that. And then it gets, like, the third act gets a little wild and crazy. Um, The bit in the middle lags for me. And, and like, while I was reading it, I was like, I can see why some people think that, uh, oh, typical Christie, cozy murder. There's, there's like, eight inspectors. You can't keep any of them apart. I don't know know why she has so many. It must have been something that the publishers made her do. Because I don't think. Three or four cops. (laughs) And then. A you retired guy cop come in, and he's like, "Well, you don't ask me, ask Miss Marple." So, what could we have written in a shortcut? Well, see, that was probably something that her publishers made her do because she wanted a heroine. She just wanted Miss yeah. Marple, who shows everyone up in the end, either, which is satisfying. She knew what happened, but right, but also in the real world, that never would have happened. So she probably did That's have true. to bridge that gap. Yeah, and it's very realistic. She usually, like even her amateur detectives, it's not like murder she wrote where they're like you write mysteries come touch the dead body for an hour it's like no miss marple does not have access to a crime scene because she's a little old lady even though people will go yeah but she solves crimes okay but she's not a cop right you can't let her behind the tape and i like that she plays fair even though you know with the thrillers get crazy but with her mystery books she does play fair with that with, with the circumstances and like yeah 70,000 cops but there would be 70,000 cops in a yes but they, it does get kind of boring and yeah, you can't keep yeah them straight and you can't care about them right and so but but like you said like in the middle of like you get past that and then when yeah. everything starts completely changing because you think that even if you read a lot of Christie, you would think that, okay, you knew what she was going to do, that she set it up, that it has to be Colonel Bantry, but there's no reason for it to be Colonel Bantry. Ergo, it had to be Colonel Bantry, you know? Sure. And even though I knew roughly how it ended, I kind of thought that still could happen. Mm-hmm. But then she just, like, just blows your mind with the stuff she does in the third act. Like, yeah. like a, a second body, 
that you think has no connection whatsoever from a random thing that she mentioned in the beginning of the book that you totally forgot. I think every reader would never look at that and be like, oh, that was a clue. It was like, no, it was just thrown in there, which I really like. I like Mm -hmm. that she did that. Um, And then there was something else about the way that she constructed the ending that I thought was really good. Oh, yeah. Did the mistaken identity. (laughs) That was such a huge part of it. Yeah, so... um, because we just talked about the body in the library, but so immediately they think, okay, this is this platinum blonde. The neighbor ne- next door is one of these young people. Christie's aversion to young people. And he's like, <laughs> he's a Hollywood type. And so uh, he's known for hanging around with a blonde. Uh-huh. So they go over to him. He's a little fishy. He like, he has an attitude. Real problem with authority. Yeah. yeah. And But his blonde comes up and she's still alive. Yeah. And then uh, they find out there's this dancer missing from a hotel and uh, this guy named Mr. Jefferson who is a, a, an invalid. An invalid who's staying there. He's in a wheelchair. And uh, he called in that she was missing even though she's only been missing a day. And they do they call in her is it her cousin? Yes. Yeah, who cousin, also works at the hotel. Yeah. And she identifies her that it is, in fact, her body. So we find out, which takes us completely away from the library, but it still works because we have this little closed cast of characters. Mm-hmm. We go to the hotel. Um, Josie is her, her cousin. She was a dancer. She twisted her ankle. She knew they would replace her. So she calls in her cousin to dance for her temporarily while... Which her name was Ruby. Yeah. Ruby was the victim. Yeah. yeah. And Ruby uh, got friendly with this family called the Jeffersons, which is this invalid, and this gets a little confusing, because it's an invalid father. <laughs> Only just a little, yeah. And he has two uh, adult children with him. Children-in-laws. his, because... Yeah, he had a son and a daughter. <laughs> and they both died. And both of them died, but, but their, their spouses <laughs> like, survived. Christy, she's really good at really weird, complicated um, relationship dynamics, because being two people who aren't your actual children but are the widows of your children being financially dependent on you yeah is a very weird dynamic that you're not going to have in a lot of mystery books mm-hmm. and she captures it very well because he kind of assumes they're fine and they're not and they mm-hmm. have to kind of leech off of him mm-hmm. and but neither of them are his children and he has more affection for ruby keen because we find out he wanted to adopt her right and so obviously he was going to adopt her and like change his will. So mm-hmm. obviously everybody's like, okay, these two people obviously would want Ruby King dead. Yeah. Because, uh, she was going to be adopted and take all their money because he's like, Oh, those two are fine. They're not even my kids. Yeah. Even though he's they don't need them. me. <laughs> and it's very clear that they don't agree with this. Right. They are the prime suspects, but they have an alibi. Yeah. And even her, um, Cousin Josie, who doesn't seem to miss her very much, yeah. even seems angry when she's discovering the body. Like, ugh, this girl goes off and gets herself killed. Right, she yeah. She has an alibi, too. Everyone in this story has an alibi. Yeah. Um, and I like that the Jeffersons were important, but didn't didn't take the spotlight away. This one is, I would say this one is victim, victim-centric. Yes. And I like when she does that. Like, that she makes you have sympathy for the victim, that... Um, it was, you know, a pointless act of violence and <laughs> Zach doing just physical comedy. No, okay. I smile with him just to make sure it's okay. <laughs> I'm doing dandy. He'll get to talk more next episode. Yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> Keep um, going. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I agree with what you said. It kind of is like Arlena Marshall and Evil Under the Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, except we never meet Ruby Keen. Right. So everything we hear about Ruby Keen is from other people's perspective. Yeah. And most of the men in the story are pretty down on her. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, oh, she was just, you know, taking Jefferson for his money. Like, you know, yeah. she was heartless. She was, she, uh, she, was out for what she could get. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Christy usually always subverts that. Mm-hmm. And there's something more to this character. Or sometimes they are what they think they are, but not the way you'd expect. Uh, and then, yeah, Miss Marple figures out there's a car crash uh, where this girl got burnt up. And she um, she thinks that the two cases are connected. Mm-hmm. This book has one of the weirdest Christy moments ever. And that's when there's a young guy talking about autographs that he's collected. You know the moment I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I, I do. I would have saved it's the a, moment. Yeah, a little boy was oh, like, boy. I have famous people's autographs. Yeah, he has famous people's autographs. And they were mostly mystery writers because he's talking about the case. And he, he lists all the names. But one of the names that he includes is <laughs> Agatha Christie. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, fourth wall break. Yeah, she includes herself <laughs> as an author. Now... So some people talk about in Partners in Crime, Tommy and Tuppence talk about they're going to be like Hercule Poirot uh-huh. and use their little gray cells. They're like, oh, fourth wall break. But that's not a fourth wall break because Hastings accounts of right. Poirot's cases exist within the Christie universe. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for Tommy and Tuppence to know about Miss Marple, but of course they know about Poirot. But Christie existing within her own universe, <laughs> that's what confuses me. I, I read that twice. Like, wait a minute. It catches you off guard. And I, I watched, uh, we'll talk about this later, but I, watching the Joan Hickson movie, they have that exact scene because they have every scene in that movie. It's three hours. Um, the little kid is listing the detectives and I was like on the edge of my seat and they skip Agatha Christie because it's too meta. It is the most meta thing I've ever, it's like when Doctor Who, uh, you know, before they would just go like Doctor Who. That's not very meta. It was just like a joke. But in the, in the Peter Capaldi seasons, they got like super meadow it with it. Like Missy as the master was introducing herself as Doctor Who. And then other characters were like, his name is just the doctor. And she's like, no, his name is Doctor Who. That's his name. Oh my and goodness. Everyone was like, this is too much. <laughs> and that's this book. She's like, oh, I have one of the greatest mystery writers <laughs> autographs of all time. Guess who it is? The woman who wrote this book. The woman who wrote me into existence, <laughs> my <laughs> mother, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was her giving herself a little pat on the back. Yeah. I, I heard about uh, when she was writing notes for. That's been on my book. She's writing notes for. I think it's Nemesis, or yes. in that in the seventies, right after she was made dame, she writes in her notes like this by Agatha Christie. What is it? DBE, Dame of the British Empire. Oh my goodness. Like she's like, you know what? I can plot a good book even though I'm old because I'm a dame. <laughs> and with this one, I think she's like, you know what? This book is going to be successful because I'm Agatha Christie and I rock. <laughs> and also another kind of theory of mine is, I don't know if you remember, this title is one of the titles that Ariadne Oliver says is the title of one of her books. In Cards on the Table. She's oh. listing like a bunch of cliches. Like some uh-huh. dramatic, she says one of them is the body in the library. Oh, okay. And I've so forgotten I've, that. And I didn't know if Christy was kind of like, okay, Ariadne Oliver's writing this one and she's referencing me the same way I write. And I think that's a leap. But I like that idea where it's like... It's oh, like no, looking into a mirror, into a mirror, yeah. into a mirror, this and they go on Agatha for infinity. Christy, this is Ariadne Oliver. 
But I don't think I don't, I don't know why she did that. Everybody's baffled by it, but I think she was just kind of like, was you know what? I'm a little bizarre. <laughs> and I, uh, she wrote this book. This is a really interesting thing. For one, this is the most. I think this is the shortest Christie book in the entire canon. No, that's interesting. And I, it's hard for me to find that out because there is no. I tried to Google it. Like, what's the word count? What is the page count? But it's so inconsistent with yeah. the editions because there's like three million of editions of every Christie book. <laughs> but uh, it seems like across the board, like this book is it's barely two hundred pages. It and that's seems kind of small. Big print. I like because I read this almost all in one day. <laughs> and I'm a freak, but I feel like I could do that even it's, if I was well. It's even if I was well. I'm I'm a bad judge. Is that big print, Zach? Like, or is that normal size print? I am blind. <laughs> I mean, it's not huge, but like it could be smaller for sure. I, I I would be comfortable reading that print, and I'm not a small print kind of person. Okay, and you like, and you don't have your glasses on, so right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. if I because. I realized this the other day. I was making a word document for something, and I I upped how how big the words were on the word document, Ooh. and I was like, "Oh, this is nice." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Imagine you have to print it; it's three hundred pages, and it's like two sentences. Oh right. god! Now, see, uh, if uh, I said that, you would make fun of me so badly. But I love hey. that you have done that. Whoa, Zach! Hey, <laughs> this is a no laughing matter. He has problem with his sight. With his <laughs> How could you make fun of that? I'm not. Like, I, no, wow. I'm not. I said you something. making fun of me. You, I, I said if I did that, you would make fun of me. Like, oh my gosh, look at your cell phone. You've got the, the font up so well, huge. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. This is like when I listened back to the episode where I was talking about getting my decaf coffee and you mocked me. Now, imagine if I was an alcoholic. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm in the zone. Okay, Josh, would you make much. fun of me for uh, getting a non-alcoholic beer? I would say, why are you... Because I like the taste of beer. And I thought not alcohol beer doesn't. I like the taste. All right. I guess that's fine. It is the same thing for decaf coffee. I'm still going to call you a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm drinking, you know, a whole pack of Budweiser in front of you. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure wow. I'm a sweetheart. Oh, gosh. Um, just kidding again. She's not. <laughs> so this book is super... There's barely any description in it. It is... It's kind of like Evil Under the Sun. Like, it is... Just the essentials, just dialogue, <clears throat> no extra fluff. And for that, some of the characters do suffer. They're just a little bit cardboard cut out. Yeah. Um, but she wrote this book at the same time, like, exact, she was working on both of them at the same time, NRM. And NRM oh, is wow. much more, you know, we talked about the themes in that, the prose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much longer. This one is just the puzzle yeah it so is it makes sense that she's like okay this is a book about world war ii and how sad this is and the effects mm-hmm. of it and this book is my fluffier book mm-hmm. it's still a very good book and it's a plus plot but it's it's a little more fluffy it's cozy mm-hmm. like you said yeah um do you think that was like a it, so it wasn't one after the other it was simultaneously at the same time, yeah, that's yeah. interesting and they are so different because i could see where like if she had written nrm which was which was awesome and then, like, okay, I need a palate cleanser. I'm going to write something that takes a little less brain power, even though this doesn't, honestly. Right. It's different brain power. But to write them simultaneously, that that's interesting. I think it's cool that she, it's not like, oh, she wrote this and this at the same time, and one of them is obviously very inferior. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're different. They're just they're different. They're very, very different. Like, you know, I could say I like NRM better than Bio Library, which I do, but they are both great mystery books in yeah. different ways. Um, and that she could write them both at the same time 
I think it's wild how much of a genius she was. It's like, okay, I need to take a break from creating this masterpiece. Keeping those those worlds straight. Yeah. Like even just the tone and the feel of those two books are so different. And that's why her 40s era is so varied and also so great because she she was putting out sometimes two to three books a year yeah but she never was like writing the same book twice right because you have something like um something like the body in the library and then next is five little pigs yeah something like the hollow and then death comes as the end (laughs) yeah like completely opposite ends of the world yeah she had so much just just so much material in her like um the ideas were endless that she had and she got you know 80 of them out there but i'm sure she still had more i guess we don't really need to spoil the ending though i did want to mention what one fan said about it because some fans told us what they thought of the book okay um i don't think it's necessary to spoil it do you you i don't think so i no i i would like to to say a couple things that i don't think will spoil it um because halfway through this book i was like you know what i really don't like this book it's boring this is she's kind of stepped down and then everything changed. And then you get to the end and I'm like, oh, wow, I was wrong. <laughs> this is one of the solutions that she does so well. Yeah. That when she reveals the um, the hook of the solution, like one sentence, you get it. It doesn't. T- and there is a long explanation. But once you say something like, you know, actually, the sweater was green. <laughs> when you say like that one thing, you're like, oh, yeah everything falls into place and that's all she has to say obviously she's going to explain like every step of it but she's like when you think about it like this and then you're like oh that's the whole thing and that's her greatest mysteries it's like you know the roger Ackroyd. once you say who the killer is Mm -hmm. you don't you it's good to have an explanation but you don't really need you go oh then you kind of fill in all the blanks yourself yeah and things fall into place that's great and there was one thing near the end that I thought was really cool is uh, Miss Marple interrogates like a, they call it a girl yes. guide. It's like the equivalent of like a Girl Scout, I guess. <laughs> and that was really well done in, yes. in both. It was well done in the book and then it was well done in the uh, yes. the BBC Jeremy series. McEwen did an amazing job. She, oh, she did. And a lot of that, even though I have like, I have some issues with that production i don't know if it was the director or what it was it but a lot of the dialogue was word for word which was yeah, kind of cool it's mostly um, faithful they changed the ending yeah but and there was some faithful. good like good character actors in that and then they just did a really poor job like i it was some dumb stuff that like oh, colonel melchett was like he was like a dancing bear in a circus and he's oh, a good comic him. actor oh I he was him. he was a moron i like that he was a moron <laughs> no he, like, he overplayed the moronic is, but this is what i liked about that is because the the detectives in this are so boring and the joan hickson book has every detective in oh it, no and none so of many. them do anything okay so i i know that some of them were more annoying than others but i'm glad that they were doing something <laughs> well colonel matchett i thought was overplayed and i don't think it's his fault um it, it ben ben miller's in it and yeah. he is joanna awesome Lumley. but he joanna lumley's in it she does a good job but ben miller was like again towards the end he got like kind of too comedic like mm-hmm. in a not in a self-effacing way and kind of like a okay that's like false false funny i guess and is the, the word. movie was very tongue-in-cheek too. yeah it wasn't pl- which um, again, because the joan hickson is so dry yeah, they, I understand why it's the same thing with making any Christie movie twice. You want to do something different, <laughs> right? I'm not going to say right. Yeah, and it's it's not dry. It's not dry, but um, there was oh, there was something. Oh no, the guy who played Harper, 
one of the cops who was not the same as he is in the book and you don't even there's so many it's just like oh my gosh (laughs) but he was played and i don't know the guy's name but he was played by the guy on the first pirates of the caribbean who played like the real straight-laced commander do you remember zach that was supposed to marry elizabeth swan wig and he was like he did a really good job with it but in this in the in the the marble in body in the library he's like he has this real northern England accent, and he like sure. never sits in a chair properly. He's always smoking and making fun of people, and he's hilarious. Like he he got the comedy angle of it, and of course Geraldine McEwen does because she's so funny. She's she can funny. go from serious to funny in a heartbeat, she's so and good. she's so good. <laughs> did you know? And uh, obviously, I'm not going to go that deep into this, but did you know she's in Henry V? No, she all of her lines are in French. Um, now, see, that explains a lot because. Uh, theater actors are just incredible yeah she's great um and i've heard she's difficult she was she passed away but she was difficult to work with on marple oh i didn't know she died <laughs> so, yeah she passed away a while ago oh but I, well, I mean I she's never pretty old her to be difficult she like, looks she seems like such a fun old lady <laughs> she's so fun in that show because uh, julia mckenzie who plays her in the second half of marple is a lot more somber because Joan Hickson, in her version, and there's nothing wrong with it, it's a faithful, and a lot of people really love that series. She's much more somber and mm-hmm. serious and quiet. Yeah. Geraldine McEwen is kind of like, this is my fun grandma. Yeah. She tells jokes. I love the right. way she does like her voice acting. And like, and she is kind of like, because Miss Marple has this insidious streak. Like, she loves to get under people's... Yeah, she likes to get behind people. They talk about her twinkle. Like, she's always one up on everybody and she knows it. Yeah. And... Julia Ju, Julia McKenzie, yeah, Geraldine McEwen. It's so impossible to say those two names. I get them confused. She was more of like, she was like a lovable, approachable grandma, right. and like wanted sure. to. It's like she wanted to be every everybody's friend. That's the yeah. feeling I got from her. And and then Geraldine McEwen was kind of like tapping her fingers together, like I'm gonna know your secrets. Which I like. That's the most marvelous. <laughs> right. She's yeah. also more unassuming because. You can kind of look at Julie McKenzie and see her figuring things out. Mm -hmm. But Geraldine McEwen does a really good job of being like, I'm a crazy old lady. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I know you killed those people. (laughs) Another thing that we talked about Toward Zero, which we'll get to, which I really like Toward Zero. I actually saw it before. And there's one scene where she's like, she's accusing somebody of something and they say, well, I couldn't have done that. I can't swim. And then... So she pushes him off of the boat by his knee. <laughs> oh, that's like, right. I forgot about water. that. He's like, she pushed me in. And she just like, she looks at me and she goes like, in that case, and then continues the sum up. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That was so funny. She could have drowned this man because the cop has to go in and save him because he can't, he literally can't swim. And she's just sitting next to him. And, and Julia McKenzie him. would never have done that. <laughs> no, she's, she's scared um, <laughs> I can't do anything about that noise. That's my refrigerator. Sorry. <laughs> Can you smell that? That's food rotting. I wanted to talk about what two of our fans sent in. Talk about in the body in the library. We have fans. We have fans aplenty. How and many exactly? What's their names? Where do they live? <laughs> well, I'll start. We have John Smith. Mm-hmm. He lives in Colorado. And he sent in, never read the book, Body in the Library, but I just wanted to say, I think Zach sounds like a very nice guy. Thank you. John Smith, you're wrong. (laughs) And this one comes from ZachyDog228. I guess that's a different Zach. Yeah, it has to be. And he says, wow, that Zach guy sounds like he's really hot. 
maybe your Don't Drink the Tea Instagram page should post more pictures of him working in the woods with an axe. Do you cut wood with an axe in the woods? I mean, I would. I mean, it sounds like it's popular for, demand. The, for the page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do it for the gram, you know? Now, I, I was not stalling in the slightest. Let me read what our fans <laughs> sent in about yeah. this book. Uh, <laughs> two that stood out to me. You mean that wasn't real? <laughs> I'll, I'll still do it for the gram. A few that stood out. Uh, one said, this was my first Christie. I read it in free reading in sixth grade English. Loved it. And I would, I would never think to recommend this to someone as a first Christie. Oh, cool. But I think this is a good first Christie to read because it really whets your appetite for more to come. Yeah, and you're also not, like like we were talking about being a little bit disappointed with how it lagged in the middle and then, you know, oh, okay, she really picked it up. If, you, if this was the first one that you were reading, you wouldn't expect anything else. You would think, sure. okay, this is straightforward. Uh golden age mystery exactly. and then then you, you get more of a thrill out of the changes that she made hmm, excuse me one. uh it was a very exciting read the murders were unusually chilling this time though and i never really thought about that like i said with <laughs> pretty Annette, dark and there were none i kind of get numb to it sometimes where i'm just like admiring the the ingenuity of it but when i stopped thinking about it like Oh, yeah, that's horrific. It's like, if you put that in Law and Order, it would be so... It'd be it like, is, oh, my gosh. I love in the... Uh, and I, she does this in the book, but I love when Jared Lee McEwen stops the sum up, and she's like, that makes me sick to think about it. Right. Because what the murderers do in this... And it's not gory or graphic or anything. No. But the principles of what they do is terrifying. Yeah. And I never thought about that, but Christy does that so well. Like, here's a book that is feels cozy because, you know, it follows this mystery formula... It's not like dark in its themes or anything, but also it is not because it this thing could keep you up at night. Yes, yeah. <laughs> thing that you would hope would never happen to you or anyone. Yeah, else. yeah. Um, also, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, um, fans. The more that I talk about uh, reading her in order, it's so interesting to me how Christy gets hooked on an idea and uses it for all it's worth and always surprises. For instance. And it's not really a spoiler, but one of the bait and switches here is similar to that in Evil Under the Sun, which she just wrote. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, it, the book plays off completely different. It's not like you're going to. <laughs> you can Yeah, I'll my phone down, man. <laughs> oh, I you're passing out. <laughs> like, like, I thought he he was yeah out. slowly falling to the floor. Nah, it's fine. There's a little cubby hole. I like to put my feet up there, but I decided. It's a phone there. Why? That's what I did earlier. I don't know. I just really wanted to. I'll put mine there just so we're friends. Anyway, nice. um, like later in her career, when the books are a little more spotty, there's so many books that are uh, murder cases that you have to find out what the murder was in general. Mm-hmm. And I think she gets, she's like, okay, this is my idea. And then as her notes were so unorganized, the way she would like hang on to one idea, she's like, maybe I'll use this one for this. Oh, no, I'll abandon it, but I'll use the rest of this. And you see how she's like, the alternate for this idea in this book, I'm going to use it in a book that's, while it's still fresh in my brain, but you're never going to be like, she just did that. Yeah. Because she always puts a funky twist on it. Yeah. Yeah. In ways that you don't think it can be twisted. She's the, <laughs> she's like the best reggae band around. <laughs> that is, reggae and funk are not the same thing. Yeah. So I was going to have a great great game and i was so happy about it and 
I didn't have what I needed to make it happen, and now I'm super sad. Can but I'll tell you what. Okay, can, can I, I guess? guess? What was you want to guess? I want to guess what your game was. Okay, what was my game? It was going to be the sequel to Murder in the Muse. <laughs> <laughs> no, the greatest game of all time. <laughs> yeah, can't no. You do it again Sorry, no, I can't. It only worked for this one, and I'll tell you why. Well, um, because no because you'll still be upset well, we'll even with a, the fact that I was going to do it. We'll, we'll do a flashback. So we can't. No, Wait, it just can't because yeah. you won't let me do it. Yes, okay, I will. so no, 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 because so we were doing body in the library. What I did was I put an apple in Josh's mouth and I hang him over a fire tied by his hands and feet to a large stick. You can do that anytime. What? <laughs> you lost me. What was the idea? We're gonna roast Josh like stuffed pig. Oh, roast. Okay. What'd you think? I didn't hear that part. I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna be like, Josh's head is so oblong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a conclusion to that joke. It's pretty oblong. Uh, if anyone would like to finish jo- Zach's joke, please send your Submit ideas to, send it to Instagram. We'll make a t-shirt. <laughs> Josh's head is so oblong. That. It hurts. Wow. True. What was the game? So... Um, I don't know how many people know this, but you wrote a book called The Body on the Bookshelf. Oh, yeah. And so I was going to have, I thought I had it. I thought I had your manuscript. And so when I went digging for it, I had other stuff that you've written, but not that. And I was super disappointed. Uh, I didn't know if I had And (laughs) I wondered, I wondered if maybe, yeah, it 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 was like lost for all eternity. But, um, so I was really sad about that. And I was going to have a great game where we would make Zach guess if you had written it, oh, if it was yeah. in Body on the Bookshelf, or if it was in Body in the Library. Yeah. Does this sound um, like it was written by a, <laughs> a woman who's in her prime of writing? Or, or a 13 year old? With a strangely <laughs> oblong head. Josh's head is so, so oblong. oblong, he can't even write a good book. That book was about a the most cliche idea in the world, which I didn't put a good spin on, a mystery writer. Who it was every Christie element in the world. I don't remember it, it was though. A mystery writer whose plots were coming true, and this man came to blackmail her, saying that she was like her her husband from a previous marriage, and like it was big. Yeah. Which oh, Christie theme. I rem- okay. I vaguely yeah I remember and, that. Uh, the solution was that he was an actor, and it was all <laughs> the solution is stupid. It was all her publisher was doing all these crimes because he wanted to inherit her secret notebooks because I think Agatha Christie's secret notebooks was out of time. Uh, he wanted to inherit her notebooks to steal all her ideas, which is pretty stupid. I don't think it's as horrible as you make it out to be. I think it sounds fairly bad. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's not good, for sure. It was not, fairly bad. not my best work, but I'm, I'm working on something that will hopefully bring me back into the... Well, it's been like... Twelve years, so hopefully, hopefully I've improved slightly. Yeah, but I do remember that was on in notebooks. Yeah, because I remember writing that like in the car and like yeah halfway through being like actually, and I know the the murderer's name was uh, stolen from a Christie. Like everything I robbed. From it wasn't stolen. It was an homage. It was your influence at the time. It's oh, not. I mean, everybody looks back on their own writing and is like, wow, that was horrible. But but it's usually yeah. not. To other people. Was like, <laughs> I was thinking about that when we were talking about how many cops were in this book. About all the cops that were in Marx's adventure. But thankfully, you killed them all at the same time. With yeah. one bullet. Like none of the, only the coroner was shot in the leg. But, uh, the entire but those were Canadian Mounties, right? They were yeah. The, uh, yeah, okay. Canadian police. Every, like, it was 30 people. All dead. <laughs> but one gunshot, coroner's leg. <laughs> that was Zach. So I'm, impressed, I'm impressed the by twist. this. 
is yes. that none of them died. <laughs> I'm impressed by the fact that you had a coroner in, in your story. Well, it was a coroner. <laughs> coroner? Yeah, yeah. But, to be fair, but <laughs> I, I gathered. Oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> Uh, what, was the, what was the introduction? The guy walks in. He was wearing no shirt, a top hat, and a, a giant a sweatpants and a tattoo of Elmo on his back. A giant like how you would get like a bald eagle across yeah. your whole back, but it was Elmo. And he wants Marcus to find his missing wife, but the guy he's talking to is not Marcus. And right? He has but he to, was like, like pretend to be. Yeah. Marcus. But he was like, I was bored, so I went and I went <laughs> along with it. And the solution, which he never finished, was Tom Kenny. Had like this army of. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. But then it was writing it as you came to you. And then I think afterwards I was like, that's really stupid, but it's already written down yeah, in the same notebook. So then. Like, so well, then, let's then go. Next, so then the next chapter was. And that is one way how this could have ended. And then it was going to conclude with something right. else. But I never got around to it. And, it was, and that was one way it could have ended. And then it should have been the end. I think I still have that. I think it's about Marcus. You can burn it. I don't have Body on the Bookshelf, but I have Marcus Adventure. It is a more original work. But every author, every contemporary author. So, what were some of the other names of stuff that you wrote in, in that time period in your life? Body on the Bookshelf. Yeah. Black Over Scarlet was my first. Yeah. Um, Which is a great title. The Mouth of the Wolf. No, there was. What was the one that was about the circus? Three Empty Rings. Three Empty Rings, that's it. I've been driving yeah. me crazy. All I could think of was three-act tragedy, and I knew that that was wrong. And I was, was, I was like, I was it was, okay, so it was three-ring <laughs> murder. I was like, no, it wasn't that. It was three empty rings. Thank yeah. you. You usually help me with my titles, though. I don't ever remember doing it, though. I remember Body on the Bookshelf <laughs> was, I went to my friend's house, and we would always put on these insufferable plays for our parents. Insufferable. They were horrible. <laughs> she was a librarian, and I was like a temporary librarian like sent from the state or something and it's a straight nap a library inspector and like, we're gonna get this in shape and there was a murder and it turned out that i actually was a uh, guy who robbed a bank and hid all my money in the books <laughs> that seems like a terrible idea that's amazing i love out, that somebody checks out a book and they're like a hundred dollar bill wait, no, stop you don't want that <laughs> I should have, like, hit it in I'm the shutting board, down this library. The problem was I, I hid them all in the um, J- um, Judy Moody books. And those were so popular <laughs> that I was like, this was a mistake. Here's a fun fact. I, I accidentally stole a Judy Moody book from my first grade library. What if they're listening? Here's the thing. Is after first grade, I got homeschooled and I hadn't returned that book. There's got to be, like, a, what is it, uh, lim- the, uh, what of limitations? Statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. <laughs> Not according to the library cop in Seinfeld. That's what I was thinking of, too. Um, you think this is a joke, mister? <laughs> yeah, what was I saying? Anyway, let's give our, our final ranking of the book so we can get to our, our technical Oh, that, man. That was a cool idea. Yeah, cool. yeah. So you didn't have a game? Or, no, 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 you were going to do, gonna do special Q&A. Okay. You guys sent in some questions. We're going to answer them. People are listening. That makes me so excited. Okay, I don't people. care if it's like two. That This just makes me so excited. I mean, there's way more than two. But wow. We're not going to read the five? stupid ones. <laughs> eh, maybe five, yeah. <laughs> Final ranking of the Um. Books. Oh, gosh. I feel bad just giving it a three. I don't, on my Goodreads, I'll go ahead and say what I, I did. On my Goodreads, I gave it a four. It does drag in the middle, but it's so quick that it drags very briefly. <laughs> I, I would go three and a half. Very ingenious. Okay, so four and three and a half. Let's get to that section of our book. So three and a half, we have Harold and House, Murder in Mesopotamia, Appointment with Death, Sad Cypress in reverse order. Sad Cypress being the best of the three and a halves. 
and the first three, uh, four stars is three-act tragedy. So you would say three-act tragedy is better than Body in the Library? But that would just be my personal preference. I don't know if that if that would be objective. I think I think three act tragedy is better because even though this one is ingenious, three act tragedy has one of her one time super ingenious ideas with the dress rehearsal for right. murder. Right. Um, but I would put it above Sad Cypress Appointment with Death, Murder, Mystery. I put it above all the other three and a halfs because okay. I think even though it doesn't have great characters, the central plot is so timeless and what she set out to do she did exactly what was her purpose yeah it is amazing yeah okay you happy with that as better than sad cypress Yeah, because I know. Well, no, 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 because I know I was like, why did Sad Cypress get such a low rating? Because it was the end just totally fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. So that puts Body in the Library at number 14. Oh, that's exciting. uh, Sandwich between Sad Cypress and Appointment with Death. Cool. That's in our complete ranking. Obviously, for the Miss Marples, uh, we only have Murder at the Vicarage and the Tuesday Club Murders. It is uh, number two, I believe. Yes. Sounds about right. It is. Uh, not as good as Murder at the Vicarage. I do think Murder at the Vicarage is definitely a better book. But yeah. I think there are way better marbles to come. Yes, I agree. Okay. And it's pretty exciting. So now let me read some of our questions that our fans sent in. And so we don't have to, like, you know, go really deep on these. But there are some that I thought would lead to interesting discussions. <laughs> uh, so here are just a few that are Christy-themed. In the and I've never heard any, any of these. I don't know, Zach, have you heard any of these? Absolutely not. Okay. So I try not to. We actually, <laughs> I think me and Zach answered this, but did you answer this? Somebody asked, which of Christie's detective is your favorite? Did you say which was your favorite? Um, well, we Zach got... said he'd rather eat eggs with Poirot. <laughs> I stand by that. Yeah. And I would say I like Marple better, but Poirot's book's better. Um, I, I think probably uh, Tommy Beresford oh. is my favorite because <laughs> because he's, he's so ugly, but he's, <laughs> he's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> If you could star, this is a great question. If you could star in a movie of one of Christie's books, which one would you pick and why? Oh my goodness. I would choose Body in the Library, and I would be the exotic dancer. <laughs> there wasn't. She's not exotic, but. <laughs> no. We can add you a character. Yeah, no, no. this is the modern adaptation okay, so where I Ignoring that you ever said that, <laughs> which is what all the world should do. Okay, so from 56 and like 15 seconds uh, to. <laughs> this is why you're not allowed to have anything. So you're going to add cues to know when we need to cut no. things out. So, any um, of the Christie movies that you've seen. Can you think of any character that you would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to play that character instead of them? Something that would be funny. Even. I think I would play it the exact same way, and everybody would treat me the exact same way, as the little girl in Crooked House. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, okay. that's amazing. It's just like, I'm just, like in the same like tiny dresses, <laughs> <laughs> and like I have like pigtails, but I don't put on a voice. I'm giving all of my lines so straight. Spoilers for Crooked House, I don't think it'd be that sh- a big of a shock at the end that you're the murderer. <laughs> I think everybody would be like, let's drive her off a cliff, off her off a cliff at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> no, but everybody, like, in everybody else's mind in the movie, I am, a I am a little girl. Except in its, I'm a, I'm a normal-sized man. So it's like you, it's like you were, um... 
like how they do the green screen and the the uh, animated stuff now. Yes. Like it's like you're reacting to a person, but mm-hmm. they they will digitally make you a little that's, girl, but except for your face. That is the most terrifying <laughs> idea I've ever heard in my entire life. That is awesome, Josh. What What do you think? If you could say anything that's easier to <laughs> go to sleep tonight. After hearing... I just love that no matter what I say, it will not be nearly as terrifying as you that. You could say anything, and it would be that bad. <laughs> I, I would love to play the dog and dumb witness. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Bob. Um, I think I would want to, I think I would want to be, I would like to play like, um, even though I know I wouldn't do it well, like Nick in Peril at End House mm-hmm. or um, in Lord Edgeware Dies, his wife. Jane Wilkerson. Yeah, yeah, Jane. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think I would, but I wouldn't do it well. I think who Give I should probably play is the crazy Australian woman who lived next door, in Mrs. Cope at Parallel and House. Yeah, who was like the in, most nothing character who had in like, history. Had like a broken ankle and just sits in her garden yelling like "Cooey!" Like I think I would do that really well. I don't think so. Uh, I think you'd ruin that. So <laughs> I, would be, I, would, I would like to play. Um, now I had two in my brain and one of them slipped. Okay, I would like to play... All the good ones are taken. I mean, yeah, I, no, I, mean I was going to say the little girl from Crooked House. I would like to play the uh, man on trial and witness for the prosecution. Ooh. I think that would be really fun because he's a cool character. Or, um... Oh, what's his name? Not Roach, but it's something like that. It's like I a. I can't remember. It, it's like oh, slime or something. It's something like a, it's a, a word that you're supposed to have some revulsion you really to. Hate him. Oh, what is his name? I'm being so ooh-ooh. You are. I keep, like, like rubbing my dimple that's not there. (laughs) (laughs) Dimple that's, like, touching his index finger. Yeah. (laughs) Point is together. Low goals. Uh, I had a second one, but I can't think of. Maybe uh, ABC in the ABC murders. The crazy guy. (laughs) Um, Um... Uh, Alexander Bonaparte comes? Yes, I couldn't remember his full name. I know that's your favorite name in the history of the world. Um, oh, I had another one and I cannot recall it. But if it if it comes back to me, I'll, I'll definitely say it. Oh, what is his name? Vile, Bile, um... Kyle the Vile, Bile. Edward, uh... We'll get there. That's a living Fun bile. fact, and I bet you don't know this. And I bet you can't guess either. I'm who, supposed to guess the fun fact? Who is planning... To make, after the success of the last few Christie movies, not that we know the names of them, who is planning on making a Witness for the Prosecution remake? You are. No. <laughs> <laughs> this, is my, this, is the this is my secret project. I'm looking for funding. Um, it's not a celebrity you'd expect. Adam Sandler. <laughs> no. If that was the news, I would drive to whatever stupid beach house Adam Sandler is at. I don't think he lives in a beach house. I feel house. like Adam Sandler constantly lives in a boat. That's not his. <laughs> bumming from boat to boat. Yeah. Ben Affleck. Oh, that is weird. It's gonna be weird. And more disturbing than Adam Sandler. And they don't call it, they're not really calling it like an like an adaptation of Christie's work. They're calling it a remake of the a movie. Of okay. The movie. Okay. Weird. I'm not excited about it, but I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. He's, I don't right. really like him as an I don't, actor. See, that's that's the thing. I don't want to, I, I wouldn't say like, oh, Ben Affleck is a stupid actor, but I don't know why he gets as much attention as he does. And he, yeah, he's an Academy Award winner, and that just is weird to me. Sure. <laughs> I don't um, I don't know. I just... Ben Affleck's head is so square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are so good at roasting. I know. Yeah. Uh, will you ever do a live show again? Uh, ask COVID. Shh. 
Don't ask Heck us. No. I want to do a live show <laughs> I mean, again, and I want y'all to pay for it. <laughs> I want you to get us some massive theater, some awesome equipment, food, and we will give you the greatest live show in the world. Wow, you you're know, being a little rude to the actually, fans who Charlie, are nice. Here's a good time to plug this dream I had. I'm going to plug it. Oh, yeah, Zach, I forgot. That's, I had a second. dream about us doing our next big live show. And it okay. was pretty much as Josh described. We were in like... A beautiful theater. Wow. It was huge. Everybody was around. And we get up there, and you just had decided, as soon as we get there, that (laughs) you're not into it. You were like, I'm not Not going out there. And we were like, are you scared? And you are like, no, because this is all stupid. And we were like, well, thanks. I guess me and Josh are going to have to handle this by ourselves. Which, in hindsight, I, I, witnessing the rest of the dream... You made the right call. <laughs> so me and Josh get up there, and to open it up, uh, we played a cover of. Do you remember what the song was? I can't recall. It was something really poppy. Yeah, it was some poppy song on piano. Except in this dream, I still didn't know how to play piano. Just, just much like <laughs> That's in the real first life. time we've done this. Yeah. <laughs> and so we go to do it, but it's not like a backing track. I'm playing piano, but it's it's wrong, and everyone gives us like the golf clap <laughs> because <laughs> I the first time there's yeah there's nothing happening there, and so I go backstage to wait because Josh has a stand up routine, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Well, Josh. <laughs> In the dream, Josh has a mustache, right? <laughs> okay. Except for it. In his stand-up routine, he's also apparently performing, like, sleight-of-hand magic. <laughs> because he, like, tells a joke, and then he waves his hand over his head, and his mustache is gone. Oh, my god! And then gosh. he tells another joke, and he raises his hand, and then his hair is completely gone. And, oh, you know, that's just, wow. That's just time. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> at this rate. And then I decide for myself, I say, you know what? I have to save this. I have to save Because he bombed. <laughs> like nobody was like wow I that can't was impressive imagine. And he bombed hard I and I said <laughs> I said I'll save the day so I go out there with my guitar and I go to get the mic set up and then I can't get the the mic stand keeps dropping right it just keeps falling like down to like my stomach and I'm like well hold on guys I gotta get another mic stand so I walk to the back I grab this mic stand I finally set it up and I go to play you've got a friend in me <laughs> and I look over by Randy my, Newman by I believe. Randy Newman yes <laughs> song i actually play newman and i don't have any guitar strings and i'm like well this isn't gonna stop me (laughs) so i start playing and i'm starts and i start singing you got a friend of me and it goes horrible and then afterwards um a dear family friend of ours comes up and you'll get it by the accent goes well (laughs) that was not worth coming out (laughs) and then i woke up and i was like that was the saddest thing i've ever been a part of so that's your answer oh, to uh, when we ever do a live show again. I'm already yes. scarred. <laughs> so I can't handle it. Well, you know that no matter what happens at it, it, it'll be better than your dream. Like, it can't go worse. You know what was the most realistic part of it? You refusing to come on stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two, I'm not the diva in this group. Two more, uh, two more questions. Okay. Um, what will you guys do once you've read every, every Agatha Christie book? And me and Charlotte talked about this a little bit before. It's going to be a very long time before we read every Agatha Christie <laughs> book, which I know Zach is dreading hearing that. But I think it's pretty comfortable that we're going to be doing this for a, a while at a leisurely pace. Because after we're... that, we're going to be reviewing every flavor of Bush's baked beans. And that's going to take forever. 
and it's going to be like three hours an episode. But we're also because <laughs> I don't like beans. So Didn't you say earlier? Yeah, if you gave me beans, I'll cut you or something. And we're going to be eating for breakfast too. Oh my god! We're going to be st- we're going to start recording at eight in the morning <laughs> every day. This is the worst podcast. But by that point, we're making money from it because everybody was like, "I didn't like." It was still Agatha Christie podcast. Yeah, but it's about beans. And this now. week. I saw uh, uh, further to that. I saw the other day um, there was a a podcast I was listening to that had like eight hundred episodes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that the first of all for the what the podcast, (laughs) yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't exist. Like, there's no reason for there to be eight hundred and thirty episodes of this podcast. But then I felt really bad. I was like, well, why don't we have more? If we if our job was to make podcasts, which I would love, yeah, we, we would be putting out because i would love to put out weekly episodes of this podcast so again or some variation of stop putting the blame on the fans like they need to give us no, more money that's not what Sign i'm up to our patreon <laughs> i mean even <laughs> only 50 bucks a month even people who have very popular podcasts that's usually not their job yeah podcasts just aren't that lucrative but <laughs> if it is a nice uh side income for them they're able to have like weekly things yeah where they're promoting their own stuff it's a tax write-off or whatever uh, we can't he do loves taxes. I love taxes. <laughs> we can't do like weekly most of the time. Right. If we could, and if one day we can for some crazy reason, I would adore that. But we probably can't. <laughs> well, we go through faster though, and then then that would be sad. Right. We're then gonna... we really would have to think about what we were doing after. And we'll be here a while. There's always new extra crispy content. Yeah. Like every month, extra crispy content. <laughs> extra crispy content. <laughs> every month they're coming out with some book about Christy or yeah. connected to Christy. Yeah. And with the how popular Christy is on the screen right now, they're going to keep making Christy movies. <laughs> so we've got all those to with review. The refer- with a reference of why didn't have ask Evans on Brickbox. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Right. <laughs> okay, last question. The last question, which I think is interesting. What would be the dream podcast for each of you? So like if... You could be like, what would I love to talk? Because I mean, I love talking about accuracy, but you yourself, ignoring. Oh, that's such a nice. That's such a nice question. I think so too. Zach, go ahead. Well, I think Josh. And yeah, this is a play on word. Hit the nail on the head before we recorded. Oh yeah. When Josh said I was gonna have my own podcast for me reviewing hammers. (laughs) The tool podcast. Tool podcast. Zach the tool. No, um, I would. I talk about everything. What, what did you say? This one's good for hitting stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I think you're gonna find even if you love that idea. I don't have as much to say about hammers as I thought I did. <laughs> oh, I've got more to say about hammers than you could yeah. ever dream. Captain Hammer as a guest star. That's true. I could um, Army <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> no, I want to rethink that. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't. Well, we'll get back to you. How about you, Charlotte? Anything you think? <laughs> oh gosh, if I could have, oh man, it would it would be something that you know it could be something that was reviewed and, and broken down and pulled apart because I enjoy doing that. Um, I told you one time that what I want to do like more than anything is review the entire season of Primeval because it's such oh, yeah. a it's such a bizarre show that so sure. few people know about and I want everyone in the world to know about this show and I want to talk about it so much. <laughs> so that would be my dream podcast is a rewatch and review of Primeval. And I'm only going to be there for the uh, Sabretooth Tiger episode. <laughs> oh, the, the best one of all. <laughs> I, oh, I thought about this question a lot and... Douglas Henschel on a motorbike. <laughs> Agatha Christie is my number one obsession, especially uh-huh. lately. Like, I've been crazy. Like, just reading her books 
extra from this podcast. Frankly, I'm scared. Zach is, Zach is trying to have some intervention for me. Um, but I'm also, I also fancy myself a film buff. I like movies a lot. I, yeah. I could watch movies over TV, and um, which is kind of like a dying thing now. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people that watch movies. And I love going to the movies. Yeah. Even if I don't really care that much about the movies. So, but a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are picking apart movies. Yeah. I just like that. Like, what went into it. Actors' performances. Yeah. And the idea that we get to do that with movies that, whatever they are, like, talking about Evil Under the Sun when Zach has seen it. Like, that is, even though I love Chrissy, it, like, takes all the things that I love. A movie, mm-hmm. breaking it down. Yeah. It's based off of something I love, too. Yeah. That's amazing for me. I also like listening to podcasts about art. Because I, I know you guys hate it. But I like, <laughs> I like discussing art and sad boy art, squares. art history. <laughs> Especially sad boys. Uh, I guess in honesty, if I had, if I could make a podcast with, um, I would like to, I don't know what like the premise would be, but I, I would like to be able to have a podcast where we like write and make a song in a, yeah. in a podcast of a certain style and a certain subject and a certain That's awesome. way. Sounds great. But like, <clears throat> you know, you go through the podcast, you hear how everything's coming together at the end of it. It's like written and produced and then you get to listen to the song after the fact. I think really that cool would idea. be, a, I think that would be a fun thing to do, but that kind of stuff takes so long mm-hmm. and, sure. and you know, cause it's like, okay, what style are we going to do? Okay. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you know, that kind of, <laughs> and, and, it, and it, it would take so long to, to write it and then to record it and then to mix it and then to edit it and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. That would be a very difficult thing to do. But some of my favorite things to watch online are these people do, uh, two guys I really like online do an album in a day on October 1st. Yeah. They go into a studio for 12 hours, and after the 12 hours, whatever they have is 10 songs in an album. That's amazing. And a lot of times, they have some really good songs mm-hmm. that I really like. Um, and some of them are just, you know, ridiculous songs. Some of them are just nonsense noise. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, it's like whatever the day ends with, the day ends with, and it's a 10-track album. That's amazing. And they are incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. Because they, they record the whole thing with like three cameras and a bunch of microphones on and all this stuff. Wow. It is incredible. And they did a bunch of other videos before that, like making a song in an hour. Kind mm-hmm. of thing, sure. Where they wrote and recorded the whole song in the hour, every part of it. And they, those were really fun too. So oh, wow. I would like to do like a play on that, but never going to happen. I, think that's, <laughs> I do think that is a super cool and unique concept that people would really like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would. I would listen to that. That's a, that's really a neat idea. This occurred to me while you were saying that. That one thing I've always thought about for me and you back when we were playing around with what we were going to do is because we realized that audio was the next step and that we were done <laughs> yeah. with visuals because <laughs> yeah. we were. But <laughs> the Big Mac got involved. Yeah, we dropped our camera in a Big Mac. Yes. Famously. <laughs> um, but I thought about and it. It sounds until I explain it. It sounds stupider than it is. Um, or more stupid, if you will. But a podcast <laughs> that is a new podcast every episode, and I don't mean like each episode we just talk about a different subject aimlessly, but each episode as if you are on episode 200 of that podcast. Oh my gosh. So it's like, hi, welcome to the the Bush Baked Beans. And we have like a structure as if we have got this down. Certain <laughs> things we do every episode. Like, that would and be now, fun. Yeah, that would like, be fun. Like, oh, here's our theme song. And like, and as we always do, we do this. Or like, yeah. <laughs> now we're getting back into our reviewing every Brady Bunch episode, but we're in season two, episode four. <laughs> and we have to fake it like we've been watching the show. And every episode is completely brand new. But we're acting like it's 
It's it's been an ongoing podcast. Yeah, that is fun. And I've, I've had that, I didn't do that. I've had that idea. It's very hard for as you know with uh, on the road with Josh and Zach is on a long hiatus while we have the time or figure out recording stuff. Oh Hot wow! Album reviews failed, but <laughs> we always have these ideas because I really love doing this podcast. I really love podcasting with you guys. I think <laughs> podcasting is the easiest thing to do and that's why everybody has a podcast because yeah. you just get with your friends and talk but but it is amazing the amount of people who have i have heard say like wow that's that's challenging or that's too intimidating and i'm like a good one, yeah. really yeah. I mean, well yeah i mean that's not to say but we're awesome but sometimes but we i were... hear a podcast and it's you know it is a subject that i would usually devour and <laughs> i listen to it and i'm like these are just the wrong people yeah. yeah they don't have podcast personalities which sounds mm-hmm. so stupid and maybe somebody listens to ours and thinks that too like i don't want to hear about agatha christie from these three people who are talking about barf okay it's two people that <laughs> talk about barf <laughs> <laughs> it's two people that talk about agatha christie because i don't like that crap. so shut up <laughs> you even um, know what you're talking about we have something for everybody come on but yeah. every <laughs> barf for most <laughs> every podcast that i would want to do is like this is a podcast that i would want to listen to yeah especially that one where it's a new podcast every time i don't know that i would actually listen to it but i would if we were the co-host because we're awesome and fun. <laughs> i would also like to be in a long-form role-playing game podcast yeah, yeah. Um, well you'd be great at that yeah you would but i think everybody wants that forever but it would take a lot of time <laughs> yeah. and like you have to like have a, a group that's constantly willing to record and have like yeah because like the one that i've been listening to is they're an hour and a half episodes and they're on like they or, or so there were three hour episodes the first season wow and Gee, not enough time in the day and <laughs> then in the second uh set the second season they did it live on twitch as well and so they were an hour and a half for that because they twitch streamed it and they couldn't like edit it down when it recorded so long and uh I think I'm on like season two, episode twenty five or something mm-hmm. like that, and it it's so long, but like the stories have like such depth and care put into them. Yeah, and I'm like, I wish I could like be in one of those. Wow, you could too. That's the thing. You could, and that's yeah. like the the album but thing you, you could, were talking about. You could do it, but you couldn't. Like you, it would be very hard to find people who are like willing to sit down and play that much role play. Game, <laughs> you know, because that's that's the problem that everybody who plays those kind of games talks yeah. about is like. Like when everybody in the group actually is available to play, instead of like, yeah, well, I gotta work, Hard to yeah, well, I gotta do this, yeah. Yeah, I gotta do this. Yeah. Um, I would also enjoy doing something where, like, you know, so many people have uh, this. This comes from bookstore world, Josh. <laughs> that <Bend> you, <laughs> so many people have they they write, but they're either ashamed of their writing or they, you know, they don't share it with a lot of people, or they're like, oh well, it's it's nothing professional. It's just for fun, and I think that's great. It's like the what we were talking about the one time, like the all the books that never get read. What's that book about? Um, the library. Of Pick. Yeah. yeah, the the a library of books, books that that, uh, that never got published. Yeah, yeah. or books that'll never be cool read. Idea. Yeah, and I would love a podcast where like people talked yeah. about because everybody who has written something they love it, and even if it's terrible, it's okay if it's terrible. But just to to be terrible. to feel like you could share like you know why you did it or why you were emotionally attached to it and. And, you know, whether it was really awful or whether it was like a, you know, a hidden gem, I think that would be fun. I genuinely love every one of these ideas. Yeah, good question, whoever did. And thank you to everybody who asked questions. Um, That was really exciting. Yes. And uh, our next book is going to be Five Little Pigs. You should go to your... Which the other title is what? Uh, Murder in Retrospect. Yeah. Um... So it, those two things just they're so no, random five little pigs I know, and i think go back for murder is the play 
But wow, um, I gotta go back for what? I gotta go back for go murder. Go back for murder. <laughs> uh, I forgot my murder. If we go back for it, I think we're gonna do a deep dive into that book. It is one of Christie's uh, masterpieces. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but um, it gave Charlotte chills just to remember it. I, I'm I'm cold because we had to turn the stove off because of the noise. We'll finish. Uh, but I definitely <laughs> recommend you go get a copy and read it and be ready for our deep dive into Five Little Pigs and. Yeah. Keep up with your like Instagram questions and stuff. Not 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 YouTube, but everyone else who's listening. I'll ask them. <laughs> oh, and uh check out Why Didn't They Ask Evans, which will be on Britbox. We will be doing a deep analysis of that as well. Yes. If and it's not TVMA. <laughs> I think we're fine. <laughs> That's it. Bye.